You're listening to Bella Figura, the tradition of living beautifully. I'm your host, Dolores Alfieri Taranto. In this show, we explore Bella Figura, the art of beautifying all facets of your life, with a focus on heritage as a means to do so. In each episode, I talk to designers, writers, fashion bloggers, healers, and others from various ethnic backgrounds about what I call the holy, the elemental, and the majesty, their culture's spiritual style, its principal values, and their lineage and family stories, all in a straight talk manner with minimal woo-woo. Join me in spiritual conversations for the rest of us. Your heritage is your superpower. Learn how to wield it. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode. I'm so glad you're here joining me. This is episode 10. So yowzers, we're in the double digits. It's pretty exciting. You know, I want to just kind of talk about a little housekeeping here. I'm going to try a new schedule, which was actually the original vision for the show that just kind of got a little bit away from me and do one week where I publish an episode with a guest and then the next week just kind of a smaller or a briefer solo episode where I pick a topic or especially a book that I've really got a lot out of or just think is super interesting and necessary for, you know, like if you're listening to this show, (laughs) you'll love this book kind of thing. And I know we're all so busy and it's hard to read all the books that we want to read. So I kind of love the idea of, I read this book. I'm going to share with you the big morsels of it. So you can either read it yourself if you want to, or you, you actually don't have to read it, but maybe you get introduced to its ideas or to its author. So this hopefully will be the start of that kind of alternating schedule that I had originally envisioned. Admittedly, Things are getting super busy for me with, you know, I do have a day job and also my son now is, I can't believe it, 11 months, my gosh. And he's about to be one in a few weeks. And he, of course, he's just become a lot of work. You know, it was a a lot easier to do all of this when A, I was on maternity leave (laughs) and B, he was just this cute little nugget who kind of sat in his swing or, you know, laid on the floor on his mat and played quietly or just kind of looked up at the ceiling. (laughs) But now he's, he's walking and he's so super cute. And of course he is, you know, my priority. And I, I want to always have the attention and presence to be there for him. So, you know, that does make this a little trickier, but it still is something that's so important to me. And just as a, as a woman, as a mother, as a wife, as a daughter, you know, a sister and aunt, like this is this show and the things that I get to talk about with all these amazing guests and now just explore on these solo episodes with you guys, with, with just the listeners, I need it. I need it in order to be a good mother, you know, in order to be a good wife. So it's not a chore. It's something that I have to fit in because it feeds me. And I hope, of course, it feeds all of you who are listening. So all of that is to basically introduce what will hopefully be a new setup. And also, you know, just kind of as a way of explaining why perhaps you may or may not have noticed my publishing schedule has just been like a little 
erratic, but I think growing pains, bumps here and there, I'm human, working it all out. Today, I'm back with a terrific guest. My guest for today is Shelly Marshall. Shelly is the founder of Beauty Shamans, which unites the wisdom of the past and the science of today to create healthy skincare products from the ocean and earth. As a nurse, esthetician, and aromatherapist, her approach to skincare is clinical, clean, and holistic. So Shelly was terrific, and I, I honestly felt like I was talking to a friend that I'd known forever, and just so personable. You're, I think you're definitely going to enjoy listening to this just very easy, free-flowing conversation. This episode was recorded over the summer. And her Instagram, it's um, at Beauty Shamans, I'll link to it in the show notes, is full of just terrific tips on skincare and different kinds of products and nutrients. And I love this episode because as longtime listeners of this show and just people who've just followed my work for a while, you know that in terms of health and wellness... Our bodies are as important as our spirits and our minds. And in you know, terms of Bella Figura, presenting yourself well to the world, of course, your face, your skin, all of this is extremely important. And it's as that outward beauty in some ways in terms of how you take care of it, right? How you appreciate it is as important as how you take care of your your inward self. And it's also about taking care of the greatest gift that our ancestors gave us, which is, of course, the bodies that we live in. I'm going to file this show under the elemental, which is, of course, our cultures, our ancestral cultures, principal values. And I think as you see, as Shelly has some kind of revel- some revelations about her, her business and her products and her own ancestry, which is of Japanese and Irish descent, I think you'll see why the Elementals is appropriate for this episode. So before we jump into this terrific conversation, I just want to remind all of you that if you have not left a review on iTunes just yet, I would be super grateful if you did. Of course, the more wonderful five-star reviews that I have, let's be honest, the easier it is for me to just keep booking these great guests and the more it helps to get the show seen on iTunes, to show up in searches, etc. I do want to read a review now that I'm kind of, you know, they're, they're piling up here a little bit. I want to go back to the beginning of the show and start reading some of these great reviews. I'll, I'll just read one on each episode or few episodes going forward. This one is uh, from Miriam Brava. Dolores has a strong, articulate, and relatable voice that makes it feel like you're having a conversation with an old friend. Really loving her insights, ancestral connections, and the vision of her new podcast. Brava. Grazie, Miriam. I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me uh, to, that you took the time and also just to hear that feedback. And uh, it's a very nice thing to say about my voice. <laughs> 
So thank you. So please uh, hop on iTunes. Just leave me a quick review. And if you subscribe to the show, you'll never miss an episode. And you can just subscribe by hitting the big old subscribe button on the page where you access this podcast. And just a reminder, you can find me on Instagram by searching Dolores Alfieri. And I'm, I will pop up as at Dolores underscore Alfieri underscore Taranto. Now let's jump into this conversation with Shelly Marshall and I'll meet you on the other side. Shelly, thank you for joining me on Bella Figura. Thank you. It's so great to be here. I'm looking at your beautiful face right now, which is like you look exactly as you do in all your photos uh, on Instagram and such. And being with the work that you do, it's a a terrific testament (laughs) that what you do works. Really excited to dive into this. This is actually the work that you do is something that I've spent a lot of my life and time dealing with, struggling with. So I'm going to be a little selfish and also use this episode to kind of explore some of the questions I have, you know, and, and just yeah. like talk out some of these things. Terrific. But before we start, can you please just tell me about your heritage and the people you come from? Let's start there. So my mom is Japanese mm. and my dad is, he has like an Irish, Scottish maybe a little bit of German in their background. Wow. So I'm half Japanese and then half European. And, you know, it's funny because when you first asked me to come onto this podcast, like, you know, I thought, oh yeah, sure. I, I, I can talk about that stuff. But, you know, when I really sat down and thought about it, it really resonated with me. And I just thought, wow, like, yes, my heritage and my culture has so much to do with who I am today and what I do. And, you know, obviously it's a long, it's a long windy road, how that all came together, but it all kind of came together like as a perfect storm. So, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of, a lot of people don't realize how much their culture and their heritage and their background and their ethnicity and their identity play such a huge role in what you become and who you, who you strive to be. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree more. It's definitely one of the major premises of this show which is either A, you're kind of estranged from your heritage because you don't think it really matters or you don't see how it plays a big role in your life. And maybe you're just kind of dabbling or like dipping your toe back in the water, you know, or you're someone like me who knows that her heritage has just been like a huge influence on her, her whole life, you know, but either way, this is, this is kind of a platform for that. So I love to hear that. <laughs> but you can, yes, you know, you, the, you recently you posted about your mother and you mentioned that she was, you know, Japanese and I, you know, there's such a rich tradition. Totally. Right. In the Japanese culture of beauty and wellness and health. So I, if you want to just a little bit, maybe we start there talking about what did you put together in thinking, you know, preparing for this show that you kind of noticed like, Oh yeah, that has influenced me. Well, Growing up, like I didn't speak Japanese, like we were not a traditional Japanese family, but we did have certain things that we still celebrated. Like every New Year's, we would have a big sushi party where everybody, our friends and family would come over and, you know, my mom would just be in the kitchen making sushi and, you know, making rolls and all these traditional Japanese dishes. Oh, so fun. (laughs) Like the highlight of every year. (laughs) But beyond that, like I have two older sisters and, you know, we grew up in a it was a diverse neighborhood and it was, there was an Asian presence in the neighborhood, but it, but we grew up very, you know, white, like thinking that we were just part of the white culture. You know, that's kind of like how things were. And at that time, 
it wasn't cool to be mixed. Mm. It wasn't mm. cool to have a background or have, you know, some sort of ethnic heritage. It was, it was cooler and more acceptable to go with, I guess, go with the grain and go with what was popular at the time, which was the pretty, you know, blonde, blue eyed, you know, totally understand that. Mm -hmm. So my sisters, they're older than I am. And so I kind of like followed their footsteps, whatever they did. And they were heavy into, into that and getting into, you know, like what are people doing in middle school? That's like super cool. Like their drill team, cheerleaders, stuff like that. And my mom had this dream when she was a a little girl to do Japanese dancing. And I was her last chance. (laughs) (laughs) So she found, she and a girlfriend of hers, Japanese girlfriend of hers, and her daughter was also half Japanese, got us together. And we started going to these classes and we started doing Japanese dancing every Saturday to the point where it, we got good enough that we started going to shows. We started doing shows. We would get dressed up every single Saturday. My mom learned how to dress me in a kimono, which is a you know laborious and tedious process right. for the shows. She would paint my face white. She would paint my lips red. We would put all the all the you know paraphernalia garments in the hair and the wigs and and I had to learn. And basically, that was my introduction and my immersion into the Japanese culture. And it was in a and it was, yeah, and it was in this little place in Los Angeles, a little Tokyo. And it's like a very tight knit Japanese community. And that's what my Saturdays looked like. I would go there and, you know, we had, you know, my teacher who was an Oshasan, she was, would teach us how to dance and how to, how to walk and how to talk and how to sit and how to eat and how to, you know, how to do everything basically. Wow. And, you know, we learned the dances and, and the stories in the dances and we learned how to show your emotion and how to hide your emotion in the dances, because that was also a big part of the Japanese culture. And, and, you know, I, I remember them telling me, you have a bright future in this, like, you're going to be so good. Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) And did you, did you enjoy it? Or were you like, I loved it. I loved it. I loved doing it because what we would do is we would go and we would dance in the morning, afternoon, and then after that, we would always go and get like ramen noodles or, you know, some sort of Japanese treat or my, this is actually another interesting story, but my great grandfather owned a bakery in little Tokyo and it was started out in 1903 and he was the original creator of the mold for the fortune cookie, which what? is now a Chinese tradition. But yeah. if you look up, if you look up, you know, the fortune cookie and his name is Seiichi Kito and he was the creator of the mold to create the cookie. He just didn't put the message in it. That's why he <laughs> made the money off of it. But, um, That's but that bakery yeah. is still there. It's still in little Tokyo in Los Angeles. And now they specialize in making like mochi, which is like a pounded rice cake. And that was our tradition. Every time after we were done dancing, we would go down there, we would get a treat. We would say hi to my mom's um, relatives. and I really felt like, as opposed to my sisters, I had such a rich cultural upbringing just by having that. Absolutely. I mean, you're talking and explaining this and I'm thinking, what a gift your mother gave you. Oh, absolutely. Totally. And I gave her one too. (laughs) Of course. I mean, and you know, sometimes it works that way, right? You're like pleasing one another. It it makes, you said your mom was an, and she's an immigrant from Japan, correct? Well, no, she didn't immigrate from Japan. It's also an interesting story. Her yeah. her mother 
So my bachan, my grandmother, grew up in a farm in Northern California. And then her father, her father was born in the United States, but raised in Japan. Interesting. And, And so her grandmother, my mother's grandmother, had, I think it was 11 children and went back and forth, would get pregnant in Japan and have the baby in the U.S., would get Mm. pregnant in the U.S. and have the baby in Japan. They came from a royal family, and so they had the money and the means to do that. And so all of the children, half of the children had U.S. citizenship, half of the children had Japanese citizenship, but they were raised in the opposite country so that if anything came up, then they would have this, you know, sort of dual citizenship. That's incredible. So, yeah, it's it's a crazy... (laughs) That is some story. Yeah, it is a really crazy story. So I forget why I even got on that tangent, but... Uh, what did I just ask you? <laughs> I'm just like, and I get enraptured by the story oh, no, and I lose mother, myself. So so my mom, when they... Right, who immigrated here. My mom was right. not an immigrant. She was born in Los Angeles. Okay. And um, although she knows a few Japanese words, her parents never taught her Japanese because at the oh. time it was not good to be Japanese. You were You were ostracized from society for being Japanese, for being different. My grandparents were the, in the internment camps. Actually, that's mm-hmm. how they met. They met in an internment camp and had their first child in a horse stall and you know, got mm-hmm. out of and the war ended and they started their life in Los Angeles. And my grandfather's fortune of coming from this royal family was taken away from him when he got this poor farm girl pregnant. And so I have so, and chills. Then, I have yeah, like chills yeah, listening to crazy. this story. It's a really crazy <laughs> story. So, so my mom did not, for her, she was always yearning for this connection to Japan. And so, you know, she would take me I to see. these dance lessons and I it was see. a way for her to experience it because she never got to. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Deep. <laughs> I'm, take, I'm taking that in because I don't know that I have had a conversation yet with anyone who has that kind of generational story, usually, you know, it's the person I'm talking to reimmerses themselves in the culture because their, their parents maybe were estranged for, for the same reasons where, you know, maybe it wasn't, it wasn't very well received to be, let's say Italian American or, you know, um, or even, you know, French or something like that, where, wherever, whoever we maybe perhaps happened to be a war with at the time um in America. So, but I don't think I've ever met anyone who like their parents wanted to reimmerse. Yeah. And you know kind of did that through the child, which I love. Yeah. That's yeah. And I didn't I didn't really appreciate it until I got yeah. older and I sure. you know was able to look back with, you know, some clarity and and see like, oh wow, you know, like that was really cool that she did that for me, but I know that was also really for her. And it was really, it was a bonding experience and it really helped me understand where I'm from. And it's funny because when I watch Japanese films, I'm able to identify some of the culture mm. because I, because I, you know, I don't want to say I lived it, but I experienced it. You know, I experienced being around the older women who did live in Japan and emulating how they moved in their dances, how they sat, how they talked, how they joked and, you know, how they hid their faces when they would laugh, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Like you, you pick up on stuff like that, those little nuances that I didn't appreciate till I was older. Yeah. I think it's hard. And I think so many people experience that where you don't realize kind of what you have at that young age. I know for me, I can actually kind of remember when I realized that the way I had been raised was gone. Mm. 
mm-hmm. you know? And it was this, like this really painful thing where you realize, oh, because you're not a child anymore. When you're a child, you think it's always going to be this way. Like this is right. the way life is, right? Yes. Yeah. But it's not. And you, and then it's very painful when you wake up one day and you think, oh, that was just a period of time. You yeah. Know? And so for me, I, I completely understand that where you're, you're, I was, you know, surrounded by everyone speaking our, you know, regional dialect from Southern Italy, the food, the people coming in and out. And then, you know, people get older and they, they either move or they die or the, their children move away. And, you know, that community just gets like smaller and smaller. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then we assimilate more. And Mm -hmm. things like Mm -hmm. that happen, you know, so parties when I was young and everybody there was like an off the boat Southern Italian were so much fun. But now, you know, we're, we're more American. Yes, exactly. (laughs) You you sort of lose, you lose the little things and, and, you know, I think it, I mean, there's so much global connection now with the internet and, you know, film and, and stuff like that. And, I feel like back in the days when we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have a way of comparing ourselves and, and, you know, leveling up, if you will, to to what society expects of us, you know, you still had those special moments that, you know, your, your little unit brought like all together. Absolutely. Beautiful. Those stories, like those family stories are so wonderful and so wonderful that you know them. I ask like every year, like, I'm like, tell me again the story about you're, this because you're I'm that just, person in the family. I, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> There's always one. Guess which one I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think it's so important because, you know, when you're older and like, I mean, you can already see the world is changing so much yeah. and I want to be able to have those stories because for my nieces, my nephews, if I ever had children, anything like that, I want to be able to say, this is where you're from. You know, this Absolutely. is what we did and this is how it used to be. Yes. And it was a beautiful time. And I mention this often in the show, but I've done a lot of research. And in fact, those children who know their family stories actually show like research has shown that they are significantly more confident and they have more like control over their emotions and they're, they're just fair better like in school like, across the board. Wow. That's interesting. I didn't know that, but I will take it. That yeah, is- <laughs> it's, it's serious stuff. You know, I tell people this is serious stuff, knowing your family stories. But if you, if you kind of sit and think about it for a second, if you know your family stories and, and you know about the people who came before you, you have this sense of like, I know who I am. Yes, exactly. Right? And yeah. when you know oh, that, absolutely. you're just stronger. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I've often wondered, you know, when, they, when my mom or my aunt start talking about their grandmothers and stuff, and it's like, I literally, I close my eyes and I try to imagine what they looked like. And, you know, they would, they would imitate how they would talk. And I would try to put myself there and just, I just think it's so fun, you know, to like, you know, go back in time and like be part of that. You've got the bug for it for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. You're the keeper of the stories. And and, uh, I wonder if your sisters ever ask you about it or, you know, one day they probably, probably will. Maybe, maybe. All this story. <laughs> maybe, yeah, like, exactly. maybe I'm waiting. I know it's so different between siblings too. It's like, it's so funny. Yeah. Well, I think because I had that, that experience dancing, I am more interested. They don't seem to have as much of an interest in that side of our culture. And they probably gravitate more towards my dad's side, which I also, which I also, you know, I've also probably am the historian for that side of the family as well, but but they, I would say they definitely gravitate more towards that 
if they even gravitate towards any any sort of cultural um, Interesting. You know, background. So like you said in the beginning, you didn't necessarily grow up aside from that kind of tradition you had with your mother. You know, your house wasn't necessarily steeped in Japanese culture or like steeped in Ir- Irish culture on your father's side. No, I mean, we you know, like we had a few reminders here and there, like my mom would have like a Japanese doll up. We, we would eat our rice with, with chopsticks and, you know, and we called it, you know, by the Japanese name, like, mm. do you want some gohan with, and show you, which is like rice with soy sauce. And like, you know, you use your hashi, which is like a chopstick. Like we use certain terms like that. Or, you know, when we, my mom would, in, if we were out in public and she had to use the bathroom, she would use the Japanese word for bathroom, which is benjo, you know, like I have to go benjo. <laughs> so we had little things like that, but all in all, we didn't grow up with a rich cultural environment. Now, what's interesting is that my dad was obsessed with Japanese culture. He was obsessed with all cultures. My father speaks fluently Russian, French, German. He speaks a little Italian. He learned Japanese and now he's learning Chinese. And he knows a little Spanish as well. So he was sort of like this language guy. And so he actually knew more Japanese than my mom. And he would go to Japan for, you know, he's he's an attorney and he was representing Honda and he would go to Japan and bring back little trinkets. And it would make my mom so happy to, to have something from Japan. Um, that's really beautiful. But, like that's yeah. beautiful. That's really beautiful. But but I mean, but you know, like we didn't we didn't grow up going to Japanese school or hanging out with Japanese friends or you know we were we were white kids you know who which happened think, to be Japanese right? Which I think is way more common if you're you know second generation removed from the original immigrants. I think that's fairly common. It actually sounds like your house and your mother and even your father were way more connected than probably many other people in your shoes would have been. I think so. Yeah. You know? I mean, they, they definitely like they had, they had their moments. Like I said, looking back, I see it, Absolutely. but growing up, I, you know, completely oblivious. Yes. I know. I get that. And do you think that, I mean, did any of this kind of just fast forward a little bit, find its way into the work you're doing now? So I had to think about that because at first I did not see the connection at all, but now I completely see it. I I totally see a connection in it. My products are seaweed based and I always had an affinity for seaweed. We grew up eating nori or eating seaweed, you know, in our house. It was like one of those things that was always on the table and you would use it like a, like a, like a taco or like a tortilla for, you know, but you would do it for the rice and you would just like grab it and with the seaweed papers. So when I came across like, you know, creating the line, you know, seaweed became, the more I learned about seaweed, the more I was like, oh, wow, like this is, this is actually an extraordinary food that is, that has so many health benefits. And the more I learned about what it does for you internally, the more I learned about what it can do for you externally, the fact that seaweed can regenerate itself using just the sunlight. I mean, it just became kind of a no brainer based off of all the things that I was learning in skincare to begin with. And then, you know, the other thing is, my, my parents had always pushed me to whatever, do something where I was going to make a lot of money and have stability. And all I was ever obsessed with was skincare. I, you know, I grew up having awful skin. I had terrible, terrible acne all over my face, my back, my chest, my, my arms. It was a, it was a real complex for me. And, and, and maybe my primary focus as a child is, is trying to overcome those traumas physically and emotionally. And so 
And it's funny because I remember when I would dance, a lot of those emotions would come out. You know what I mean? Like the way you tilt your head and the way you evoke love or shame or, or whatever. And the teachers always said, you have the most beautiful hands. You have to do something with your hands. Hmm. And I had this, you know, fast forward, I had this obsession with skincare. And the more I would touch people's faces and the more I would touch my own face, it became like, oh, I have these, you know, beautiful hands that can do these amazing things. Right. Not just aesthetically, but, you know, now they can right. the Not work that comes out of them. Mm-hmm. The energy mm-hmm. that comes out of them. Right. Yes. The work that comes out of them, everything. So part of what I do is I, I love working with clients one-on-one and, you know, that kind of human connection and touching their faces and feeling their energy is something that I find near and dear to my heart. And it's part, it's a very important part of my work. But then my skincare line also was influenced by, you know, my Japanese heritage of seaweed and uh, having that kind of strong thing to hold on to. Seaweed is not, you know, you see seaweed on a package and you think, okay, it's just seaweed, but And then you see, you know, something else like another kind of food or ingredient or product bottle, and it has all these ingredients. Well, guess what? A lot of those ingredients are naturally found in seaweed. And so you don't think about the fact that vitamin C is naturally found in seaweed. You don't think about the fact that iodine, manganese, magnesium, potassium, sodium, chloride, all these minerals, copper, iodine, everything that your skin and your body needs to thrive is naturally found in seaweed. The ocean is where we began. It's where life began. And so that's where, that's where all the minerals are. That's where growth is from. And so that it just became very natural to me. It's just like, well, duh, this makes sense. And this makes sense. So let's just, you know, go with it and see. And to be honest, creating the line was never meant to become anything. It was, I wanted something to offer to my clients. Oh, I wanted something that I could, you know, really hone my skills as an esthetician and as, as like a skin therapist and I wanted something that I believed in that could heal people's skin. And it was never meant to take off the way it has right. so far. It, it was really just meant to be for my close friends and families and my clients. But, you know, now it's... Yeah, <laughs> now you sell it online. Social media, it's yes. become a lot more. So, right. yeah, so right. that's kind of the roundabout way of saying where Love it all that. came from. Wait, so did you... Are you saying that the connection with seaweed in your Japanese culture, like you had not made that before you agreed to come on the show or you had? I had, but I didn't realize it. Okay. You know what I mean? Like I, like I always knew, yeah, seaweed, duh. I used to, I grew up eating it all the time. Of course it's nutritious. Of course okay. it's perfect. But right. I never connected it directly to the fact that I grew up knowing it. I just thought it was like, oh, well, that's something that I'm familiar with. So, right, you know, right, it, right. Wasn't until, it, it wasn't until this happened that I was like, aha. So it actually came from the fact that I grew up eating it. <laughs> I want to get up right now and like, just do a cartwheel. Like, that makes me yeah. so happy. <laughs> I love that. That makes me really happy to hear. So you, you mentioned a little bit, um, you know, being younger and having really bad acne, I'm assuming that was a big influence that led you to do this work. If you want to talk a little bit about that, like how you just kind of came to this. Yeah. I, like I said, had traumatic acne. It was something, it was debilitating. It was something that I woke up every day and looked at my face and fell into like a deeper and deeper depression because of it. I hid that depression by playing sports. I was very active playing soccer and that was sort of my escape. That was my outlet. I was good at that. So it was something that I could escape to and be happy. But deep down inside, you know, I would 
I remember being on the soccer field and looking at some of my opponents and being like, gosh, she has great skin. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was something that was always on my mind and my yeah. friend, you know, some of them had perfect skin and some of them also were struggling with acne. And it was something that, that we would bond over. And I mean, it got to the point where my friends knew that I kind of had a phobia of touching mm. my face. I wouldn't mm. let anyone touch my face. Mm. I would, you know, constantly clean it. I was constantly using whatever it was in the drugstore, the, you know, Stridex pads or an eczema or clean and clear. And I would, I would go home and read YM magazines and like scour the skincare pages and try to figure out like, what can I do to clear my skin up? And it was traumatic for me. And mm. it's, when I went to college, it got worse. It just, it, it kind of, it made me feel like I didn't love myself. And I felt that I was not lovable mm. because of it. Because I, th- I felt that when people looked at me, that's all they saw. Right. And on top of that, being at the school that I went to, I went to Duke University and that was a predominantly white, wealthy school. And I was half Japanese and that was another part of feeling a little bit ostracized from the rest of the kids and the rest of the students. And right. so it was just, it was and a this really, acne on top of and it. this acne on top yeah. of it. I was right. just, you know, I was like, who am I? Right. And, 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 you know, what am I going to do with my life? Because I just feel like I'm in this funk. And so when I got out of college and I went to a, you know, a very good school and you would have thought that I would have gone on to become a consultant or gone into advertising or finance or something. But I remember I called my mom and I said, mom, I want to do skincare. Like I, I need to know, I need answers. I need to find out. I need to heal myself. I need to figure out what's going on with my skin. And she knew that I'd always been obsessed with it. And, and I remember her response. She was like, honey, I always knew you were going to do that anyway. So I already put the money aside for you. Come on. So, yeah, so I, I love your mom. I remember, <laughs> <laughs> she sounds so, amazing. You know, I graduated from this like super prestigious school and ended up going back to California to go to skincare school. And I, I was so happy. You know, I, I, I was finally doing what I really wanted to do, but it didn't heal my skin immediately. There was still so much of the process that had to play out for me to be where I am today. And then, you know, I moved to New York. My, one of my sisters was living here. So I came to New York to live with her for a little while and experience the city. And I got this job at this, at this place. I'm not going to say the name or the people who work there, but I mean, it was, it was hell on earth. I mean, she, this woman was so mean and so nasty to me because of my skin. And I don't know why she hired me, but she would say things to me like, I need you to do the treatments with the lights off. I don't want anyone to see your skin. I hire girls to work here, not boys. You need to put on some makeup and cover your face up. I mean, just really mean things that added to the stress that perpetuated my acne even more. Right. And and it wasn't until one of the, the Asian ladies there who said to me, you need to heal your immunity. Your, your skin can't heal because you haven't healed. And I was like, aha, like I really took that in. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, she's right. Like I'd been sick a lot as a kid. My immunity was probably shot. I didn't have any direction in life. I thought I was doing what I really wanted to do, but I still had my own problem. Like I right. felt embarrassed doing treatments for people. And I right. had that. You feel like you should have like totally perfect skin if you're exactly. going to be treating. Yeah. But you were, exactly. still, you were still working your way there. Yeah. And I was using all these synthetic products and I was eating trash or, you know, trying to eat what I thought was healthy and it wasn't at all. And it wasn't until I started 
living and breathing skincare and health and making it my mission to become healthier and to heal my body, to heal my mind, that everything changed. Mm. And so that's where I am today. And I, and I live by that. Now, I really think that beauty is a mindset. It's a way of life. It's a way of living. And if you can add a little bit of health and beauty to everything you do, it will bring out the best in you. Amen. I love that. I, I totally agree. <laughs> and again, another premise of the show is the idea that even your heritage is that beauty, right? Even your heritage adds that beauty and you know can, can add it to every aspect of your life. I love that. I read in an interview, you know, preparing for the show, you said your nightmare became your gift. Yes. And I love that idea. And, you know, when you were talking just now about being young, it almost seems like you were like just predestined on I this think path. So. It's yeah, it just, it just so. kind of, I don't know, I just had that sense almost like this was going to be what God wanted you to do and what kind of you were made yeah. to do. And in the beginning, you had to, you had to deal with all that because how could you possibly, okay, here's the flip side of having a lot of acne and working on people's faces, never having had acne and working on people's faces and tell, yeah. you know, like, right. You know, right. Like knowing that you've been there. Well, and that was, that was something that a lot of my skincare friends and I would discuss, you know, some of us have had struggled and the estheticians who also had acne, like myself, we would talk about that. And, you know, we would talk about the fact that, you know, some of these other girls who had never had any skin problems whatsoever. And, and this is not to like say anything negative about them. They're, they're doing their job and bless them. They had beautiful skin and, you know, obviously they knew how to maintain that, but having not lived that, how can you properly counsel and guide someone on this journey when you don't understand the emotional implication, the physical implication, the perpetual waking up in the mirror and seeing something new and, mm -hmm. and, and hating it. And it's this process that I feel that estheticians or skin therapists who have gone through it really understand. Yeah. They understand what the client is going through and it takes time and it takes patience and it, you know, everybody's story is different. Everybody's skin is different. And I think without having gone through that, how, how can you properly assess yeah. or, or tell someone what to do with their skin? Right. And, and the empathy. I mean, I think there is an idea. I don't know if this is in other countries, but in our country that acne is like, oh, it's just like a um, aesthetic thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you, if you have acne and you're upset about it, it's just like, cause you're vain, but it's, it's as somebody who's suffered with that, it's really, it's really psychological and it's very, very draining. And it's, oh yeah. It's painful. I mean, it, it's very like emotionally, physically upsetting. Yes, it, it, it affects is extremely you. Painful. Yeah, especially as a female. I mean, yeah. I'm sure as a as a man too. It's it's also just as just as painful. But I think especially being a female, Agreed. and you you know you're you're held up to this certain standard of you know beautiful skin, and and in a way, it's. I remember thinking that people thought I was dirty and that people thought that I was not clean, that I was disgusting, that I smelled bad because, you know, if you can see the dirt and the gross stuff on my face, it must be everywhere. Totally get that in a way. Like, or like yeah. that it looks like you don't take care of yourself or exactly. Yeah, exactly. You, you know, you don't care about yourself. 
Yeah. And I, I just always felt like I was giving off this vibe that, you know, nobody wanted to touch me because I was gross. Mm. And, and like, I remember just piling on the makeup and like putting so much stuff on to cover it up. And it just, it really got to the point where I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to have to hide. I just want to be naturally confident and have this clear skin. And I mean, that's, that is another thing that led me to where I am today and what I'm doing now. And I'm, I'm helping people who have gone through that, helping people who have had those emotional scars that maybe they still have. I mean, I still have my, my own emotional scars. I have still have my own demons about my skin, but I've overcome it because I've made it my passion. I've made it my mission right. to, to heal myself and to help others to heal. And if you have been in, in this situation and then your face is clear, I mean, I can testify life is different. There is yeah. life with acne and constant <laughs> breakouts and there is life. So I'm almost, different. I'm almost afraid to even like say this out loud. Cause I, I'm like, I'm like, I'm jinxing it. I'm doing the horns right now. Like to all my listeners like to, <laughs> to keep the negative energy away because I'm, I, you know, I'm just like, I don't want to jinx it, but there is life is totally different when your skin is clear. Yes. You feel so much happier, more confident. Yep. And what's, what's worse is that acne is a perpetual cycle. Cause when you look at it, you get stressed out and the stress hormone make it worse. And then it just keeps going and then you pick at it and it's just everything yeah. that goes with acne. It's yes. really a debilitating thing. And I mean, like, come on, like people have much worse problems, but it's something that if, you know, when you deal with it, it really is serious. Yep. It, it is Ex very agreed. Important. Agreed. It, it, it invades your awareness in every nick and cranny of like, you know, what you think about during the day. It consumes your life. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I completely agree. So how did you get from, you know, how did you kind of make that shift like from your nightmare being your gift? You know, I know you, you started working for somebody who sounds like she was very like stressful and not very kind. And then, and then what started to happen along your path? Well, I eventually I did Accutane and I don't recommend doing it. It didn't work very well for me. I, there were a lot of side effects, but I, I wanted to try everything and, and know in my heart that I tried everything. And I was at that time at a loss. There were no natural skincare products on the market. There was no conversation about how to heal yourself from within. This was in the time when, you know, you didn't have those virtual connections with people or were able to see what other people were doing. This was all just, what did you see on TV and what are they advertising? Right. And so I did the whole Accutane thing and, you know, I, we won't get into that whole nightmare, but at the end of it, I felt a little bit better about my skin, but it, there was, it was still there. You know, I still had stuff going on. And like I mentioned before, that's when I really started to just work on my immunity. And I really had to change my diet. I had to start changing my mindset. I started visualizing. I don't know if you remember the movie, The Craft, but yes. there's a part in the movie where the girl's skin just comes off. And I would visualize that over and that over scene. And yeah, over but, again. She had like all these burns on her back oh, yes, or something. Yes, yes, yes. And then yes, like yes. All, the skin, all the skin starts coming off. And yes. I would visualize that over and over again. And I would imagine I'd wake up in the morning and all that skin would be off and it would be beautiful. And it kind of just became something that I focused on every single day. And it took a long time, but I started to see the improvement. I started to see when I ate healthy, when I 
thought beautifully, when I tried to put compassion in everything I did, it changed the way my cells were behaving and communicating with one another. And it completely cleared up my skin. And I remember speaking with, I can't remember when this was, but I remember speaking with some, you know, psychic or card reader or something. And she, you know, flipped something over one time. And, you know, she said, the thing that you were dealing with as a child, you're never going to have to deal with that ever again. And I was just like, and I was like, oh my gosh, she said that. So therefore it is true. And I just, and I believed it. I believed that I would never have to deal with it ever again. And I made it my mission to never allow it to happen again. So, I mean, so that's kind of why the nightmare became the gift because now I can look back on that time and I learned so much about skin. I learned so much about health and I learned so much about myself during that whole process. And beauty shamans, how did that, so why beauty shamans? This is like something... I would oh, want yeah. like want to know. I love I love it. I mean, it works. It was definitely when I first came across your work. It was like it's captivating. You know, you're kind of like, oh, this sounds. I want to learn more about this. Yeah, so, I'm glad so you. Well asked done. That. <laughs> I'm glad you asked that because I've been wanting to make an Instagram video about it. But as we know, people's attention spans are really short, and like right. I feel like sometimes just me talking is not captivating enough. So, so I would love to tell you where that name came from. It kind of came from within. I did not realize what it meant when I first created it. It was just something that popped up in my head. I like to think of it as like, you know, my spirit guides were kind of placing that information in me. But then when I really contemplated like creating the name and creating the skincare line and what does it mean to me, it all became very clear that beauty is is health. When when we look at someone who's beautiful, what we're really looking at is an image of health. And You know, I also am a nurse. I have a nursing background, Mm -hmm. but I'm also, you know, a skin therapist. And so the shaman was a perfect bridge between what I know from Western medicine and what I know from my studies in Eastern medicine. And, you know, the shaman is this sort of village healer, this, you know, medicine man or medicine woman healer that uses plants, uses the earth, uses nature and calls in certain frequencies to to heal people and to heal things. And beyond that, I thought to myself, well, the shaman really represents this altered state of consciousness, which is what you need in order to change your skin or change something about your life that you're not happy with. It represents this, this alteration in the way you think and the way you behave and the way you interact with the world around you. And when you do that, and when you have a clear focus on what you are, what you're after, then the health will come. And when the health comes, the beauty comes, Mm. you know, and and it's really, it's an energetic thing. I mean, we've all seen it. We see a beautiful woman and she's just nasty and immediately she's no longer beautiful. And then you see this other woman who's maybe not, you know, a model figure, but her energy is so beautiful that she becomes the most beautiful person we've ever met. And so that's where the beauty shamans kind of comes from. It's just, it's not just skincare. It's a way of living. It's a way of thinking about how to care for your skin. It's a way of thinking about how to care for yourself and for others. So I love that, that it works. So that's <laughs> it works. No, definitely. And you know, just from following you for a long time now on Instagram, you are you really do embody that. I mean, you you give a lot of information away all the time. You're always kind of just showing us 
tips and new tools and how to do things like you, you know, you're just giving and trying to heal your community. Yeah. Well, that was, you know, when I first started on Instagram, it was very difficult for me to put my face on the internet because I had kind of had this complex about people seeing my face ever since I was a kid, you know, with acne, I never wanted people to see my face. I never took pictures. I did post a comparison photo. It's like one of the rare photos I have on my Instagram page of where you can see what my skin really used to look like. Yeah, um, brave. Yeah. I so it, it. Was, yeah. it, it was difficult putting my face on the internet, but, and I, and I struggled with it because when you, when you look at what everybody else is doing on Instagram, you know, they're creating these productions where it's like perfect lighting and perfect this. And, and, and it looks like a professionally made commercial. And I made a conscious decision that I wasn't going to go that route because then it would become a job and it wouldn't be me. And so everything that I put out there is just me living my life. It's, it's me like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. You know, like, yes, I'll put on one of my beautiful kimonos, you know, so that you guys have something pretty to look at, but like, I'm not going to sit here and like make the background all perfect. And with all the words and the, you know, the letters and making everything look like it's like a professionally made production. It's just going to be me. And so, and now, you know, it's, this whole process has been a growing process for me as well. And I think that I've grown a lot from putting my face out there and putting myself out there and showing people, Hey, this is what I know. And this is what I want to share with you. And it's helped me grow as a person as well. So, I mean, I hope that I'm reaching other people and helping them with their own journeys with their skin or, or just giving them any kind of entertainment or, or tidbits of information that they can use for their own practice. I don't by any means think that my, the, my way of doing things is the only way. I have always come from the mindset that you know, when, you, when you learn something, you take bits from uh, different people. Absolutely. You, take, you take a little bit and you make it your own. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I hope that I can provide that for people. But more than anything, this is really therapeutic and healing for me. You know, I think if you're being genuine with your work and on your platform and you're really serious and, and and like have a strong intent to have a community that it's inevitable that you're going to get something back. You, you know, it's right. not right. You're not just giving like the community gives something back to you, whether it's directly or it's just like you realizing things about yourself because that community is there. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. And so now, you know, you, you do do you do see clients like in office? I know because when I was looking into booking with you uh, at one point, I remember that, and I regret I never pulled the trigger at the time because now we're in the middle of quarantine yeah. and COVID. So you're, I'm assuming you're not seeing clients anymore. I mean, I'm not seeing you clients. Are, don't right. admit it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not. No, no. The, our, right. you know, the businesses are closed right now. So, so no, I'm not seeing clients right now. So I have been picking up more time at the hospital. You know, just I saw to, you. You're posting. You're you are working at the hospital during this time. I I saw a couple of posts. Yeah, about that with you. Yeah. talking about the state of the hospitals and. Yeah, I mean it's better now. It, in the beginning, it was pretty intense, but it, things have definitely calmed down. And yeah, you know, you. I'm really I'm looking forward to getting back into the treatment room. I miss it so much, and I, this time has solidified my feelings that that's where I belong is in the treatment room. Like I miss it so much. And, you know, being in the hospital, I know it's important work. I know what I'm doing is great and it's, it's helping save lives, but it's not 
I was not put here on this earth to put a bandaid on people. Mm. I was put here on this earth to help people grow. And that's not to say that, that those problems are, are serious and they're not, they, they shouldn't be cared for. They absolutely should. I just know that for myself, that that, that life is not serving me and my higher purpose. Right. And I think there are some nurses who are absolute angels and they are meant to do that work and they are meant to be there. And I admire them with the utmost respect and, you know, I honor them. I just know for myself, this whole quarantine situation has made, has just made me realize more and more what my mission is right. and what I plan to do going forward once things settle down and once, you know, we open back up. Yeah. There's room for like illumination everywhere, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think a lot of people are experiencing that now. Are you still working with clients like remotely in any way, or is it just kind of the whole business on pause? A lot of clients still reach out to me, emails or, you know, through Instagram and, you know, they just have questions here or there, or, you know, maybe we'll get on a virtual chat. I mean, I do have on my website, a virtual, a virtual like consultation service for people who want to like delve deeper and they're like, listen, I'm stuck. Like I need mm. some like serious help. I do offer that for the most part, people just have like a question here and there, which I'm happy to answer. But, but yeah, I mean, like, the friends that I see at work, you know, like they're, they're like, Hey, can I get some products or, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, sure, I have sure. still been, been active in that sense, but yeah, the, the whole skincare part has, has been just me doing it on myself. At right. This <laughs> the hands-on thing is definitely yeah. a pause and that seems to be a big part of what you do and what you really right. um, enjoy doing. So, okay. So I want to switch to the topic that is very much like on my mind in, in planning uh -huh. to speak with you. Okay. So the last time I had a horrible breakout, I real, cause I've always been, or for most of my life, very like health conscious. You have beautiful and, skin, by the way. <gasps> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm looking at you. you I just fell skin. off my chair. No, it's, like, <laughs> it's like glowing. It has this like glistening glow to it, but go on. I, I, we, we're always our worst critic. Always. Oh my That's gosh. I've learned. Yeah. Whew, you just made my week. Wait till I tell my husband you said that to me. He's going to be like, oh my gosh, amen. Okay. So the last time that happened to me, I did try for like months to just use like supplements. Like I did research and I was like taking, I can't remember now, but like I found some studies on like zinc helping and this and that. So I really just tried to go like the total natural route. And it just didn't work. I mean, nothing I did worked. And my face got worse and worse. And like at the same time, I was starting a new job that's so stressful. Long story short, at some point, I was like, I have to go to the dermatologist, you know? So yep. I went to the dermatologist and they really wanted me to take antibiotics. And I try not to take antibiotics unless I really, really need antibiotics. And I kept telling them, I don't think I need antibiotics. I think this is hormonal. And so there's the, the spironolactone, right? Mm -hmm. which I had tried once before. And I just, I, I had to like go back to them like four times before they would just give me a script for that because they kept wanting me to take antibiotics. So long story short, the last time I finally went to another doctor and I was like, I don't need antibiotics, please give me spiro. I told him, I'm like, I've been trying to take all these supplements and foods. And he said to me, you're way past that. Meaning like my outbreak was just like past the point of being able to like heal it naturally. 
So that's, that's one part of this. The second part is what really worked for me was the Spyro. That mm-hmm. seems to what finally worked for me. I do do things to keep myself like healthy, of course. And like I, I try to eat well and all that. But one of the reasons I haven't purchased every single one of your products, even though I like read about them a lot <laughs> and I love, like, I love the idea of them is because I'm so nervous that natural organic products are just not strong enough. Like they're, they didn't work before. I need some serious stuff here. Like yeah. I need, you know, like I need like chemicals and like <laughs> that stuff no, to totally, so, I totally, totally get it. Mm-hmm. I'm not like challenging you at all. Like I want, I just, I actually just, can you talk this through with me? Like explain yes. to me. Absolutely. You know what so, I mean? Okay. So <laughs> I just you gave you a lot. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I, but I get this question a lot okay. and it's something that I had to deal with as well, you know, cause I was on antibiotics. Right. I think so. Yeah. And, and then you did the Accutane. Um, so yeah. And then I did a million topicals Right. and you know, I'm going to use a little bit from my nursing background, a little bit from my aesthetics background here. But when you have something acute going on, an infection, a rash or acne or, you know, something going on that's acute. A medication is something that if it needs to be dealt with immediately, a medication, something that you take into your body, that's going to, that's going to work really fast. Sometimes that's warranted. Sometimes we have to do that. If you have a raging UTI, you're not going to say, let me just drink cranberry juice for the rest of my life. I mean, yes, some people do that and they suffer through it, but there are also negative implications of doing that. Um, You know, if you're just relying on the Totally. I was hoping so, you were going to start with something like that. Okay. Sometimes you need something like that antibiotic to kick it. Now that's a temporary fix, right? You can't stay on that antibiotic forever because right. eventually it's going to start having the reverse effect where it's going to start causing problems in your gut. It's going to start causing problems in your, you know, vaginal or, you know, urethra or whatever. And then that's when you start to nourish your body with certain foods like the cranberry, like garlic, like other things that help to nourish your microbiome and your gut flora and your vaginal flora. So now take that example and apply it to something like skin. If you're dealing with something, I heard you say you had a stressful job. Mm -hmm. Stress was probably the number one thing contributing to your breakouts. It almost all the time is because a lot of times once we're past puberty, acne and breakouts are almost always charged hormonally. And our hormones think, if you think about it, run through our blood and skin is highly vascular. I mean, you see, you touch your face, it bruises, cut it. Our skin is extremely vascular and you've got these hormones raging through your skin, raging through your circulatory system, your vascular system. Of course, it's going to show up on your face. And so what I would say to that is, you know, spironolactone is something that a lot of my clients use and it it works for them. I don't think it's a long-term, you should be on it forever thing. Just like anything, right. just like how you wouldn't want to be on Accutane forever. You wouldn't want to be on the antibiotic forever. You may not oh, want to yeah. be on this spironolactone forever, but it, it's probably helping you right now. And it's going to get you in a place where you can then say, okay, now I can get focused and now I can start nourishing my skin from the outside with something to balance my skin. I can start nourishing my body from the inside at the same time. I can throw everything that I can that's healthy at it and and go from there. And then keep in mind, that it's a process. You know, your skin turns over every 30 days. 
So to try to expect to see a difference in two weeks is not realistic, mm. you know, and, and even, even it's probably going to take even longer than that when you're using natural products, natural products are meant to balance your skin. They're meant to regulate your sebum. They're meant to regulate your oil glands. And then it, with time, they do work. It just takes a little bit longer. Just like the idea with the cranberry and the antibiotic, right. you can drink that cranberry juice till you're blue in the face and it may help, but it's going to take longer than taking the antibiotic, which is going to wipe it out right, right. right away. So I totally hear you and I, and I get it. And you know, I think you have to do what's, what you believe is going to be best for you. That's always going to be your number one. Don't listen to what the doctors say. Nece- don't necessarily listen to everything that I'm saying. You have to do what you think is best for you. And if you know, you know, if you have the knowledge to know that it's not healthy to be on that drug forever, then you know, okay, I'm going to use this as a starting off point and I'm going to get healthy from here on out. And the natural products, like I mentioned before, when they work to balance your skin, it takes time, but it definitely, I mean, in my experience, from what I've seen with my clients, they start to see results because over time, that synthetic topical or something that you're getting, you know, from the derm or over the counter that's not made very well, there's a lot of petrochemicals in it. It's going to start causing irritating reactions on your skin over time. It may help immediately. But it's, I think, I think they're home right now. Are they home? But it's, yeah, but it's not in the long run, you're going to be better off using those natural products. And I think a lot of people want that. I I agree. Who use the natural products. I do. (laughs) And I I think one of the reasons I I kind of put this question down in my preparation was, was for my own edification, but also because I think that a lot of women especially do feel that way. And I'm not on the Spyro anymore. I mean, I got pregnant, I, of course, went off it and haven't been back on since. But another thing that I have is I'm like stuck on, I'm so afraid to stop using the things that I'm using. Because I don't know if it's like the, my superstition, but I'm just like, if I stop using this, I will break out again. <laughs> right. So, I have this okay. like paranoia of like switching it up, even though I would like to, I would like to kind of go to more organic and natural routine. So part of that is breaking your belief that it's that it's not going to work. And then the other part of it that I would say is integrate it slowly. Okay. You don't have to go cold turkey and start, you know, doing the natural products right away because regardless if you're going to natural or going to a different product, a a, a radical change in anything that you're using on your skin, you're probably not going to see your best face like right away. Your skin flora, the pH to get used to new products. So I would say start by integrating, you know, like start with like just the face wash or something, something like that. And, you know, still using your other products, but slowly starting to blend the two, the two systems together until you can kind of look at your skin and say, you know what, like I can, I can use the, the natural product today. My skin's looking really good. Or, you know, I'm starting to get a breakout. Let me grab let me grab my, you know, prescription strength. And to be honest, I still have a retinol in my cabinet. I use it when I get a blemish or, you know, I'll put my mask on it and it'll get rid of it. And then if it's, um, if it's still persisting, then I'll put the retinol on it and it'll help okay. to take care of it. Okay. So like I still, we want to use Western medicine for what it's good for, which is acute situations, acute infections. But if you can live more naturally and you know use more natural products on a regular basis 
you're going to be, you're going to be happier with yourself. And I guarantee your skin's going to be a lot happier. Okay. I like this. I like that. It's not like, doesn't have to be like cold Turkey, black or white. all or nothing. Okay. Yeah. All right. That I can handle. Yeah. Because you know, I also, I do get concerned that the continuous use of it on your skin, you know, your largest organ, your body will, those chemicals can eventually kind of mess with your hormones and almost maybe bring you back to the same place. Knock on wood. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely something to consider. There are some, I was reading somewhere that there was a company that they put hydrocortisone in some of their products and didn't put it on the label or didn't, didn't market correctly. And these clients were, there's like, there was like a class action lawsuit, the client board saying, I now have a hormone, you know, Mm. like Cushing's disease or like something where they have that's into their skin and causing systemic issues. So yeah, you're absolutely right on that. You want to be careful with. I mean, um, I'm assuming with that. that sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you, yes, you, you said you want to be careful with whatever you put on your skin. Why do you advocate people using natural products? You know, kind of what is the big deal if I just use over-the-counter products or prescription products? So it's it's all about the formulation. When you're using something that is over the counter or a prescription, and you know this harkens back to you know what we knew when we were kids, that's all that was available, right? But you have to think about the fact that if it is an over the counter product, it has been made and formulated to stay on that shelf. It has been made and formulated to be able to withstand, you know, the harsh conditions of shipping, it's able to withstand, you know, just staying on that shelf for like 12 to 12 months to two years sometimes. The expiration date on some of those products is a long time from when they're made. Mm. So, and a lot of that is because of the petrochemicals that are used. A lot of that is because of the preservatives, the parabens, some of the emulsifiers, and, and just some of the chemicals that they put in that to stabilize those products. When you're using something natural, well, hold on, let me back up. Mm-hmm. Imagine that is like instant mashed potatoes. Okay. Okay. Comes in a box. Okay. It can sit on that shelf for 12, 12 months to whatever, you know, like two years or something. There's an expiration date on there. You know, you can put it in your cabinet and it's going to stay good for, you know, however long. And whenever you want those mashed potatoes, you have them. As opposed to going to a grocery store and picking out fresh potatoes that you take home and you mash up and you use that day. Because if you don't use it right away, it's probably going to go bad. Right. Right. There's a reason why it's because it's organic. It's because it's natural. It's because it's an actual food. It's because it's an actual substance that came from the earth. And as we know, things in the earth, they they degrade and then they grow again. So if you compare that and you think about the fact that there's all these preservatives, there's all these fillers, there's all these parabens and emulsifiers and stuff in those instant potatoes versus all the nutrients that you're getting from the fresh produce, the fresh foods, that is the difference. Yep. And so good. and so I get it. While, <laughs> and so while while natural products may take longer to work for people, the benefits that you're getting from it, the nutrients that your skin is absorbing is is going to i think outweigh um mm. you know the efficiency of something like something that you can just grab off the shelf that's been there forever so it's like a long run game that's it's a lot yeah using natural products i would say is a long run game but i think that they have way more to offer us in the long run if you're patient enough to go through it 
I, I love that. That was a very good analogy. Thank you. And I could ask you like a million more questions in respect of your time. Um, <laughs> you're very easy to talk to and you have a lot of knowledge. I do want to just wrap up with um, a little tip, if you wouldn't mind, to give some listeners. I, you know, because of kind of like you, because of my struggles, I'm I'm like a, not an expert, like a, I don't know, a pseudo expert, like a everyday expert. You know, if I see like my goddaughter is breaking out or my, like my sister-in-law has acne, like I'm the person who's like, okay, what's happening? You know, are you yeah. doing this? Are you doing that? You need to try this. Like I do that because my heart breaks. I can't see it on people's faces. Yeah. And they know, like they, they, people ask me and I used to do tons of things like, um, led lights, blue lights, red lights. You're a big advocate of the gua sha, the, which I do still do. I did it this morning in honor of you because I knew we were going to be talking today. <laughs> <laughs> and also I used to, yeah. um, <laughs> I did. And I still have the, I have the, I have the roller that I keep in my freezer, the face roller. Uh-huh. So, but you know, I have, I have a seven month old baby. Mm-hmm. And my life's changed. You know, I don't have as much time as I used to. So, any tips for someone like me or, you know, anybody in the audience who you really do want to make taking care of your skin a priority, but maybe get a little overwhelmed at everything you feel like you quote unquote have to do and because you just don't have as much time as you used to? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's a loaded question because everybody's lifestyle is so different. It's true. So if I could give, so I, if I could give some general advice for someone who wants to take more time for their skin, but maybe you, you, life is not giving that to you right now. If you can work in one minute, I think everyone has at least one minute yeah. to massage your face. I think massaging the face is something that we were never really taught to do when we were when we were growing up, um, it was not something that was like a thing. And I think massaging the face, not only can it release stress, which stress is usually a huge contributing factor to aging, to acne, to our mental instability. If we, you know, if we experience that, but it also, it allows for a connection with yourself. You are connecting your, you know, whatever's going on in your environment. It allows you for that one minute to just connect with yourself and feel your face. And beyond that, the the implications for the skin, it helps to increase circulation. It moves some stuff around. A lot of times, if you feel your face, there is so much tension Mm. in your skin, in your jaw, in your chin, in your forehead, you know, between the brows, around the temples. temples. I mean, there's a reason why when you have a headache or when you're stressed or when you're thinking about something, you, we always go right here. Mm. We always go right to the temples. Mm. We hold a lot of stress in our face. And so I think that if you can, for one minute a day, just massage your face, touch your face, feel where the tension is, it will not only help to release some of that tension, it's going to help you connect with yourself on a more intimate level and, and just bring you back to having compassion for yourself and maybe thinking about what other things you need to do for yourself that day. And, and then it's also going to help to relieve some of the, or increase some of the circulation. Mm. And anytime you're increasing circulation, you're bringing more oxygen to that area and more oxygen creates more healing. When you create more healing, then that's when you start to see brighter eyes. You start to see a more lifted face, less pigmentation, less wrinkles. So I would say you can use all the tools you want. Tools are meant to make our lives easier. They're not a necessity. 
Mm. I think your own two hands can do wonders. Just touching yourself. It's just the opposite advice you always get. It's like, don't touch your face. Don't touch your face. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, like, like I said before, I mean, like I had, I used to have this phobia of touching my face. I wouldn't let anybody touch my face. And now that's all I want to do is touch my face. I would, I mean, we assume people would understand, you know, wash your hands before you do that, et cetera. Yes. That's like a given as (laughs) adults. Yeah. But I'm just just going to say, just so you don't get any letters. I don't get any letters. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Before we do that, you know, that's good. This is another like all or nothing. I think thing with me, I think sometimes I'm like, well, if I can't, if I can't use the gua sha tool for 20 minutes, like I'm just not going to do it. No, that's not. I think every single minute counts every, because it's an effort. It's something where your energy or where, where you're focusing your energy is where, you know, your attention goes. Mm. It's where I mean, it one minute, that's all you need. And it adds up. It adds, imagine touching your face for one minute a day for one whole year versus never touching your face. That's a you're going to be an effect. Point. You know, great like point. Mm-hmm. cumulative, just because it's not taking 20 minutes does not mean that it's not worth it. Right. I like that. That's a, that's a good tip. Okay. <laughs> Shelly, this has been terrific. I really appreciate your sharing your stories and your knowledge and your work. Thank you so much for, for coming Thank on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Okay, thanks again for joining me for another episode of Bella Figura, the tradition of living beautifully. Definitely shoot me an email at Dolores at bellafigurapodcast.com with your thoughts on this episode, as well as any show ideas you might like me to pursue. You can also DM me via Instagram. I'm at Instagram at Dolores underscore Alfieri underscore Taranto. And you can sign up for my newsletter to hear about each new episode at bellafigurapodcast.com. Here's to knowing your roots and cultivating a beautiful life from their power.